Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Well, I got a note this week that one of my good friends, Shmuel Oppenheim, how many of you know him? Shmuel Oppenheim? A couple of us know him, right? Uh, is retiring this year. He'll be retiring in August. I thought, I never thought Shmuel would retire. And by the way, he's the only Jewish cowboy I know. I mean, he's a real cowboy. And he has a congregation in Las Vegas, of all places. Um, but it got me to thinking about something that I think about quite often, actually, and is related to uh, this week's Torah portion. Um, it, the Messianic Jewish uh, movement in the modern age, which really began, uh, at least the congregational movement, began in the 70s of last century. And uh, so now we've been around for about 50 years or so. And uh, all, those, uh, all of us who were 20-something years old when it all began are a bit older than that now. <laughs> you know, some of us are a lot quite as old as that, but, um, but a, lot of them, a lot of us are. And interestingly enough, I'll be going to the UMJC National Conference this week uh, where I'll meet up with lots of my old friends. That's where we get together. And, uh, and that's the key word, you know, we're getting older. You know, we were young and we, were, we had the zeal of God and jealousy for the Lord when we first started. We were on fire with this new thing that God was doing in the midst of our people. And we've tried very, very hard to build a movement from nothing from nothing. And I think we've done a great job, really, up to now. I mean, we have a long way to go, but we've done a lot. And as I was reading through this week's Torah portions, you know, it reminded me that you cannot have a future uh, without the passing of the torch. And in this week's Torah portions, in fact, all three portions speak about young people taking up the mantle of leadership. The first case was we saw Pinkas, who ultimately becomes high priest. We see Jeremiah, Yemiahu, who's, who is uh, a boy <laughs> when God calls him. And we see Timothy, who was the disciple of Yeshaul. All three were young people who made a decision for God. And it's important because a treasure is being passed. So I'm speaking most of this, especially to younger people who are here. You know, some of us have labored long in this field, and while we're not ready to give it up yet, there's, we need help. We need the younger people in our community to rise up and take the leadership so you saw in the, in the, in the, in the, in the episode with, with Pincus, he did not wait for somebody to tell him what to do. He did what had to be done. In the case of Yirmiyahu, he doesn't, he doesn't ask his father's permission. He hears from the Lord, and he becomes the prophet to the nations. 
and even Timothy leaves mother and father to join with Paul on his journeys wherever he has to go. And so it's a necessary thing if we're going to have a future that others will be willing to carry on. And so I want to sort of issue you a bit of a challenge from the text in, first, in 2 Timothy about doing just that. About recognizing your own responsibility, if I would, if I could go that far, to lead for the future. So first I want to remind us that we need to kindle the flame. So in per verses 6 and 7 he says this. He says to Timothy, this is Rav Shaul talking to young Timothy. He says, for this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power and love and discipline. You see, you have to have the spark in you. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, back in the, in the early days of the movement, uh, we, what, what excited me, we, we were on fire. We were crazy. We were on fire. I, it, nothing was going to stop us. I, where's Tom? Is Tom in the room? He's with, the, he's with what? The launch kids. Those kids need to be in here right now. We, we did ridiculous things. I mean, we, some of you may know, we had a place over on Campbell Avenue, and we got it all broken down, and we had to fix it up. And every night, myself and Tom and, 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 and Pete Biagioni particularly, the three of us, we worked on that thing. I remember nights, we had to, we had to pipe insulation into the ceilings Oh my gosh, what a mess. It was like a nightmare. I wish Tom was in here. We'd be laughing. Uh, the crazy things we did day after day, night after night, just to get started. But we were on fire. We were having a great time for God. And we, and we kindled the flame in each other. And that's what you have to do. You can't be so concerned with the things of this world that you neglect the flame in you. You know, you ever see these nature programs where they where the guys are out in the wilderness and they have to start a fire. If they don't start a fire, they're going to freeze to death or something. And how they do it. I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I need, I need matches. Man. I, need, you know, I need a forced, a forced to hotel, actually. But, you know, I mean, they're sitting there and they get a little tinder and they keep it dry and they, and they, and they coddle it and they nurse it until it bursts into flame. And that's what we have to do first and foremost with our faith in the Lord. It's not just another thing in your life. It is your life. Or your life means nothing. I don't care what you do or what you do not do. And that was the kind of fire we had and the kind of fire we need if we're to build the kingdom of God on the earth. There's always time to make money. There's always time to get ahead. There's always time to do all those other things. But if we do not make time for God, then we will find that we have less and less time in our lives. And so he tells us, kindle the flame, which comes to you through the Spirit of God that is in you. Don't quench that by piling on junk that you don't need. It's amazing what you can do without. You know, 
And again, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just using myself as an example because I know myself the best. You know, some of you know. I, I mean, I was a real t tennis fanatic. And I used to play seven days a week in tournaments every week and everything. And the Lord came. And I didn't do that anymore because I had to give that time to God. And I did not miss it. Well, maybe I missed it a little bit, but I didn't miss it enough to change a thing. Because I was doing something greater than bouncing a yellow ball back and forth across the net. We have to kindle the flame of God. He gives us his spirit. Don't quench it with the things that this world is going to try and buy you off with. And he says, look, God has given us a, not a spirit of timidity, but power and love and discipline. And we can do it. We can build those things by, by giving way to those things in your life. The power that is in you through the Holy Spirit. Through the love of Messiah Yeshua. And through the discipline that comes with living by his word. If you're willing to do that. Secondly, he tells us to join with all. He says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Messiah Yeshua from all eternity. Look, when I think about this, I could have made a lot of choices, but, you know, being a Messianic Jew was like, you know, we talk about minorities in this country. We are the smallest minority in, certainly in the United States. There is no smaller minority group that I can think of in the entire country behind, beside us. So, yeah, everybody, you know, I mean, how many times have people, you tell somebody, oh, I'm a Messianic Jew, and they say, oh, what is that? And then you have to go into a whole litany about uh, the whole thing, and it gets, you know, can get boring, I know. And then they say, oh, that's crazy, or whatever they might say. No. God has raised up this movement in this age for a real, really important reason. The importance of which we do not even realize right now, but we will. Because in and through what God is doing in, the, in our midst, he's going to bring his people together. Wherever we are, we're all scattered. The people of God are scattered all over the world and all their different denominations and their different ways and the Jews separated from the Gentiles and all the other things that are happening. And God is going to use this. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Sometimes on the ground it looks messy to me. It doesn't have the order I want, but maybe that's my own, you know, craziness. But it is true that it will happen through, in and through some of the great things that we will do in the future. And we've got to start on it already. And it's starting to happen. But we need another generation because the older generation is not going to live forever. Shmuel's going to be in Florida. Or wherever he's going to probably go back to Texas or something. You know. I got to ask him where he's going to go. Because he could just stay in Vegas and have a good time and then nobody will know. 
by the way, he's not the only guy who's leaving his post this year. And we need young people who would take over these congregations and be their leaders. I know Shmuel's struggling with that. No, what we need to, we need to suffer for that. And, but, you know, suffering comes at different levels. I mean, you know, not all suffering is bad. Sometimes the suffering we do for the sake of the good news is really good. And we need to embrace it and realize its, own, its power in our life to make us stronger than we thought we were. I mean, we did, like I told you, we did things I never thought we would be able to do. We accomplished things that I, you know, I did not envision when we first began. When there would be three and four or five of us in a little dark little room somewhere, praising the Lord. But God had something greater in mind than we could imagine or even think that we had the power to do. But we didn't do it, did we? He saved us and called us to a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which, he granted to, which was granted to us in Messiah Yeshua from the beginning of things. So all we have to do is say yes. We fan the flame of that spark that's in us, and God will do it through us to his glory and to our everlasting joy by the way and then he says he goes up Paul goes on to say for this reason I also suffer these things but I am not ashamed for I know who I have believed do you know who you believe do you know See, this is why I'm such a crazy stickler for Bible study for, people, for, for us to know the word of God. Because if you don't know the word of God, what are you doing here? My goodness. You don't want to listen to me. But he knows whom he has believed. And because he knows who he believes, he is willing to endure whatever it takes for the sake of the good news. And I want to challenge you with that. What did, what did Pincus think was going to happen? You know, the rabbis have go through a long story about Pincus, by the way, in which they talk about why does, why does the scripture tell us, introduce Pincus in, the, in a few verses earlier by telling us he's Pincus, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, and then does it again in this Torah portion when they introduce him again. The Bible doesn't usually do that. Usually when the Bible introduces a character, it tells you his lineage or her lineage once. It never does it again, because you already know. In this case, they do it again, the second time. Why? I'll tell you, here's the story. Because Pincus killed a prince. He didn't kill just anybody. That guy, what's his name? Zimri. Zimri was a prince of his tribe. And he killed him. And everybody's, at first, everybody is like, what, are you kidding me? How could you do that? And what are you killing him for? What, he's sleeping with a, a shiksa? He says, your mother was a shiksa. That, that's true. That happens to be true. Eliezer, his father, married a woman who was not Jewish. 
And so who are you? And he said, and, he, and God tells us exactly who he is, and he repeats it. He is the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron. And he is a priest to me, most high. That's who he is. And he didn't ask permission. He did what he had to do because he had the zeal of God burning within him. And he knew whom he believed. And he believed that God would make it right. And that's what we have to do sometimes. We have to go somewhere where no man or woman has gone before. Right? Right. <laughs> Not really. Okay. He says, and he also goes on to say this. He says, I am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. People, young people, listen. If you entrust your life to God, he will take care of it for you. Amen. He will take care of it for you. Again, I'll use myself as an example. I had a very, very nice job, and I had a great opportunity. I'd be driving around in that Maserati my brother drives around in right now. But I entrusted my life to God, not to that. And I have not had a day I want ever in my life. No, he has given me things so great I cannot describe them. So we have to entrust ourselves. Don't be afraid. Don't say, oh, Eve, I got a career, I got a family, I got a this, I got that to worry about. I... Not if God is looking for you, he will take care. Right? Jeremiah says, oh, I'm just a boy, what can I do? Don't, no, no, I'm sending you to nations. You will tear nations down. Do not be afraid of them. Because I got your back. And if God has your back, you cannot be harmed. He will take care. Finally, he says this. He says, guard the treasure. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. So here's my final word on it to the folks who are part of this congregation, particularly the younger people who are part of this. We have laid our lives down to get it this far. Do not let it fade away. Do not let it fade away. It's up to you to guard the treasure. You know, listen, we had not that long ago, uh, well, actually next year, Simcoe Israel will be 30 years old. 30 years, wow, you know, that's a long time. That first 30 years belonged to me, but the next 30 years belongs to you, not to me. Will you guard the treasure that we have built? I hope you will, because it's up to you. I have one last quote as we go to, to conclude our worship today. I want to share with you. David, King David, David Hamelech, was a man of war. God raised him up from the time he was a boy. He was 16, approximately, maybe even 15, when 
Samuel anointed him to be the king of Israel. He didn't become the king for a few years, but nevertheless, from that moment on, he was the king in the sight of God. But he was a man of war, and I guess that was just necessary given the circumstances that he was dealt. And in some ways, I feel like our generation has been, have been men of war. You know, we've had to build and scratch from the dirt, from the dust, something. You know, you start a movement, everybody thinks you're out of your mind. We still struggle with many things. Uh, but we are beginning to find peace. And when David passed his mantle to his son Solomon, Solomon, his very name means the son of peace. Shlomo. And he succeeded his father and built a great kingdom, a kingdom which enjoyed peace for many years. And so my prayer is that the next generation of our Messianic Jewish community will have that kind of peace so that you can build the kingdom of God. May God make it so.